feel like i've interviewed you so many times that at this point we're probably going steady you know you're going to be able to write the book soon i know (laughs) don and jordan the journey you know there you go the journey (laughs) the journey you know it's always got to be it's always got to be something cosmic with me though you know (laughs) (laughs) i I can do the album cover or the book cover yes okay so 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 people you heard it here first okay so um (laughs) yeah i'm working uh, as you can see, I'm working on my skills towards that goal. Well, I have to say that was the greatest picture I have ever seen in my entire life. And and some <laughs> some people actually questioned. They were like, "Did you?" Do? I was like, "If you've ever seen me do Photoshop, that looks that good." That was the real deal, man. Thank <laughs> but, you right off the bat for like pimping out my band. <laughs> absolutely, no problem. Happy to do it. Well, so cool. before we get too deep into it, I have to say the Dream Theater tour. At least the show I saw here, that was so much fun. Like the connection on stage was great. You know, I mean, Mike Mangini has really solidified himself as a member of the band. And you guys really seemed to be having more fun than I've ever seen. And I really think that resonated into the crowd. Um, What was it that, because Scenes from a Memory, in my opinion, is like a pretty deep album and even as deep as it was you guys were still having fun with it you know yeah i know i i I can i'm so happy to hear you say that and i feel that on stage when we're playing it's very uh it feels very unified and like we're all kind of coming from the same place and it's powerful and it's uh you know it's a really interesting great time for dream theater it's funny how you know a band that's been together this long you know, you go through these kind of like arcs or curves and, you know, it's not going to stay the same all the time. And, you know, every, every tour is going to feel a little bit different. Every album is going to feel a little bit different. And, you know, but I, I will say that this is a really kind of powerful time for us where things just feel like they're lining up and uh, have been going in a really positive direction and we're enjoying it. And, uh, and, you know, I think it comes out on stage as well. That's definitely a, a part of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and my, Mangini is just, uh, you know, he's, ama- he's amazing. He's just so solid back there um, that it just, you know, just totally helps our cause. I mean, and that guy, I mean, how can you not <clears throat> smile when you watch? I mean, because the guy smiles when he plays. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're looking up at him and you're going <laughs> – damn, you're having a blast, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and it's so contagious, you know? Right, right. It's definitely his uh, his highest self when he's uh, behind those drums, you know? He's just, he just kills it. It's great. Is that a short joke that you just made? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <it's> not. <laughs> I'm not going there. We're, we won't go there. Sorry, Mike. We were just, I was just kidding. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, totally. Well, so I have to jump right into this because I have to tell you, 
like over the weekend, I really gave um, Wired for Madness a really earnest listen where like I literally just, just like sat down, put the headphones in, wanted to hear all the ear candy and everything. Like yeah. it's mad, it's brilliant, and it's disturbing all at once. And if I had to sum it up, it's like part Sergeant Pepper at times with King Crimson and a good bit of Emerson, because your Emerson influence really shows through on this album more than I've ever heard you. Mm, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's, that, 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 definitely that, my. Is that my an astute observation? <laughs> yeah. No, I like the uh, the combination you were going for. That's that's cool. Yeah. I mean, so was was this album? And I mean, I would assume that like most most artists. I mean, did you kind of make this album hoping that the listener would? hear different things like kind of like what you like what i was just saying like maybe somebody else might hear other things that you know differently than i did um interesting so this uh, you know the album is very much uh at least to this point i guess a studio album and that you know i go in there i've got i kind of feel like a painter a painter of sonic colors you know i've mm-hmm. got this uh you know, large library of all these interesting colors that I can kind of put on my musical canvas. And I don't really, you know, hold back, if you will. I just like going for it, seeing what kind of interesting, trippy, if you will, like colors can kind of come out. And it, and a lot of times my music <clears throat> will involve a great deal of orchestration, trying to achieve something that can almost like tingle in your imagination or you know really take you on a on a ride or back to our journey where i mean you know wired for madness the the title track especially to to really truly get the most out of it to get into it it's a a bit of a commitment right there's a lot you know there's a lot going on and there's a lot of twists and turns very much in the um you know leaning towards that more kind of epic prog style where you know like you know yes close to the edge or dark side of the moon or things that go for you know that really go for a ride so i wasn't i wasn't shying away from just doing just like going there and mm-hmm. doing the twists and turns and i wanted it to be for those who you know for those who uh you know, want to put aside a little bit of time and go for that journey, maybe throw on some headphones or crank up some cool speakers. Um, I wanted it to be a real trip, you know, to take you and and just like go for it, like fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. This is going to be a ride. I love so, that you said that because that is exactly what I got out of it. And like certain albums are made at least in my opinion are made to be listened to in sequence and even in one sitting And I think one of the things I loved about Wired for Madness was that, and I love that you kind of touched on the Pink Floyd thing because it was very reminiscent of that kind of sequencing, you know, where Mm, mm. there was like a flow to it, you know, and every part, you know, you know, bring it on, out of body, lost control, you know, like it all seems to kind of just flow. But I was also fascinated over the fact that as as a whole that that part of the album that the longest yeah. song was like five minutes and 49 seconds like i've never heard a prog album with a song that short <laughs> you 
<laughs> How did you manage to kind of reel yourself in, like you said? Because, like you said, you're playing with all these colors and on your canvas. How did you reel yourself in to keep things kind of concise like that? Um, well, you know, what, it's funny. Like when I started to work on this album, I had put aside some time. I knew that I needed some time to dive in the way that I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. It's always hard. It's always hardest, as you know, like any creative project to just like get into it. Uh, as an artist, you know, I'm, I definitely will, you know, spend some time questioning kind of like, wow, can I do this again? Like I did it last time. It was cool, but will it actually happen again? Um, and I think many writers and musicians go through that kind of a thing, that self questioning. But I finally, I dove into the studio. I started working on it and I went, wow, okay, I can do this. And I got some things down. I thought it was really cool. And it was all the really, really super progressive stuff. I literally started with what you hear as the, as the title track part one. Right. Um, and so I dove in and then I got like to, I don't know, about eight, 10 minutes into it. And I thought, wow, this is going to be the craziest, wildest progressive album that I've ever done. <laughs> and I, I came into my house and I told my wife, Danielle, I said, I'm working on this stuff. It's crazy. It's wild. It's all these cool changes. It's got all these colors and mm-hmm. sonics and, she was like, well, that's great, but you're going to have to write some stuff that like is a little bit easier to absorb for people. You can't have it all be like crazy stuff. I was like, I was upset because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking my thought at that time was that it was going to be 60 minutes or whatever of just absolute madness. Not even wired for madness, but absolute madness. Like, right. me, like letting it all just like sore out of my brain uh, you know it's just like recording. beginning to end just like a I roller thought, coaster off the tracks I, that's, that's what i that's what I, imagine like you know you turn it on and it is like what wired for madness is but the whole time but she was like you can't really do that and i was upset and i walked out of the room and i was thinking yes i can yes i can and like the next day i kind of like sat with her her feedback and i thought to myself you know what she's right because i can't you know you got to give some people as much as I'm so proud of the title track and all that. You know, most people can't completely absorb that <laughs> in the first or the second listen. You, it takes a little while. You got to really make the commitment. So, um, you know, but, but so what ended up happening is that, you know, I love all kinds of music. I love the blues. I mm-hmm. love really mellow stuff. Uh, you know, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan or Cigarettes or Rose, however people say it. Mm-hmm like things that are very floaty and really super mellow as well as really progressive. So then I was thinking, well, you know what? I can, I can make this album, you know, really balanced and have some other things on it. So that's why I composed the blues tune that, you know, features Joe Bonamassa and uh, you know, some of the more kind of nicer songs like just for today or off the ground. Um, just kind of round, ra- you know, rounding it out a bit to, uh, to show those sides of me um, and also to uh, have the listening experience be something where you could, you know, take a breath right. as well, which is really important. And even, and that said, I mean, even in Wired for Madness, I mean, I mean, in the title track, as a big fan of, of, you know, a lot of music that's spacey and mellow, there's, you know, there's absolutely times within that crazy journey where mm-hmm. you fall into, you know, more of a, a, a trippy kind of mellow vibe like some of the vocal elements get into my more kind of a Floydy space, if you know, for lack of a better way to describe it. 
Some people, some people who are, who, who've been listening to it say, "Oh, it sounds like Alan Parsons, or it sounds like David Bowie, or it sounds like this or that." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but whatever it is, it's my more open kind of space that I, you know, really also enjoy listening to and putting out there myself. It's so funny because when you were telling me about your wife, I could I could just picture like my wife tells me the same thing about certain songs that you know that I'll write. Like she'll you know I'll play them for her, and she's very honest, and she'll go. It's not one of your best, you know, and then uh, I, I, I kind of feel like a puppy dog that's like yeah, yeah, patted yeah. on the head and then we just right, turn around right. with our tails between our legs and we go, yeah. huh, well, I, I kind of like it, but you know. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> they, sure. But one of the things I did love is that you talked about the Pink Floyd influence and one of the things that I picked up on was that there's definitely a Roger Waters kind of element to your vocals on Mm. the album and so to hear you kind of directing towards that pink floyd element made me realize okay cool so i did hear that then you know that wasn't just me oh (laughs) yeah well you know my right absolutely i mean you know from a vocal point of view i mean first of all let's face it you know i'm a keyboardist number one and you know and i love to sing and i and if i write the music myself i can i enjoy expressing vocals myself as well and that's the reason i sang on the album but as far as my vocal influences and the kind of sound that always kind of resonated with me i mean it goes back to like you know greg lake or john wetton or you know roger waters or david gilmore or certain bowie things or mm-hmm. you know like some of the singers that alan parsons like the person who whoever was talking about alan parsons in their own little comments was not far from what kind of spins around my head uh from a timbre point of view Right. I my heard that myself, that, actually. Yeah, yeah, my voice is, you know, my voice is kind of low or very low. And I like, uh, you know, I gravitate towards a smoother kind of natural sound. So that all, yeah, that all makes sense, certainly. So one of the things I loved about, because it was a perfect segue, because you were talking about how you know, your wife said, like, you got to have something that's easy to absorb. So you kind of have like a part two to the album, you know, where it's got, you know, <laughs> you know, a handful of uh, songs, you know, such as, you know, like you said, Off the Ground, um, trying to think now, Perpetual Shine, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Off the Ground was probably my second favorite of, of that group of songs because I, um, I, loved, I loved the comment that I read that you said where you said that ever since I was a kid, I've had a recurring dream that I could lift up off the ground and fly. Often I'm just hovering. And I think there's something kind of, again, like I hate to use that word, but you and I always kind of bounce it back and forth because we get it. Is it this cosmic kind of thing where it re- a dream just kind of revisits you constantly? So by writing this song, was it kind of more of like a sharing of your dream or was it more of a like a... I'm trying to kind of dump this, if that makes sense. It was like sh- kind of sharing the energy of it. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I mean, it's funny because like in in my life, this is the only recurring dream that I have. And I've had it ever since I was a kid. And it's really, I'm all, I always have this, you know, like amazing experience, I would say, because I have this dream and then I, and then I wake up and then I'm like, Oh my God, it was so easy. It was so easy. I like, I kind of feel like I can do it. But then of course I realized that there's a separation between the dream and reality. 
But the result of the dream, even though the dream takes different forms, like it'll always be something a little bit different. Like maybe I'll be sitting down kind of like in a meditation, you know, position and then kind of like lifting up off the ground or maybe I'll run and jump and I'll be able to stay up or, you know, so I'm kind of like flying or hovering in different ways. But at the end of the dream, before I wake up, I say, look, I can do it. It's easy. I can do this. And then I wake up and feel that for a second. And then realize that, okay, well, it's not that easy. I'm still kind of, gravity is holding me down. So this song was a way to kind of like musically, you know, share that, to kind of allow maybe a little bit of that feeling, you know, to uh, come through the music. So I love that song, but I have to ask, what's up with Sexy Rudis on Just Can't Win? Like, that's some, like, David Lee Roth level. <laughs> like, that's some, like, David Lee Roth level shit right there. And I was just like, right, listen right. to Saucy Rudis, man. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, there's always room for a dirty blues. I mean, you know, nobody, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of sides to myself. I'm the gentle, spacey, you know, progressive rocker or whatever but i also can get down dirty and into it and you know have some fun uh so that's uh that's my blues side i let, I let it out i let people have a little glimpse of uh you know the uh the, the other side i just loved hearing that like for some reason i could picture you in like a in like kind of like a like a hat kind of tilted sideways in a smoky bar you, you go take it away <laughs> right 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 no, i love that i had such a great time you know i play a lot of blues I always, i've always enjoyed playing blues at the piano or you know like bluesy riffs on the synth or whatever but uh-huh. it's just something that for my my whole musical life you know, on my own or with friends or whatever, I'll break into the blues. I'll make up a blues, you know, about whatever at the moment. So to uh, finally decide to put that on the, you know, to put that on the album was kind of cool. So I was like, you know what? I don't have to just keep this like in the back room, you know, like the dressing room before a show and like, you know, make the guys smile. I can, I can put this out in a real, in a full on, you know, production. I can make this happen. And, and what it really kind of inspired to, you know, the idea to, literally do it was that i signed with the mascot label and and when i did i was uh i was thrilled because joe bonamasso is like the premier artist on the mascot label and i thought wow it'd be so cool if like joe would join me for a tune and guest and play you know some blues with me and when i mentioned it to the mascot people they were like well i don't know he's really busy he's in the studio he's on tour how do you they didn't. I didn't get the feeling that they felt very comfortable, or that they thought it was very possible to, uh, you know, to make this happen. Right. But I was, you know, I had this seed of an idea, this little bit of inspiration, and so I, re- I remembered that I had met Joe Bonamassa <clears throat> because he came backstage to one of the Dream Theater shows. Um, I don't know, some years back, and he was very nice, and he was kind of a fan, you know, Dream Theater. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to write to him myself. So I literally wrote to him on Instagram uh, in the messaging, and he wrote back right away. I said, you know, I said to him, I said, I hadn't just signed a mascot. Would you like to play on uh, a track of mine? Would love to have you. He was like, absolutely, would love to do it. And so then that happened. So it was really cool. I love that you 
again, <laughs> you and I are very similar. Like sometimes you just have to cut to the chase and and be a rebel and go around the. You know what I mean? You know, you know what? I'll take care of this myself. <laughs> yeah, know? right. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's that's how I was. Look, I can do this. I mean, and very much in our industry, you know, it's about people and it's about relationships, and you know, you kind of. I mean, a lot of people function in life in their professional world in this kind of business mindset, which is, which can be great. And, you know, certainly can be powerful and get things done. But in my own world, even when it comes to my business, I always come back down to the personal. I find that I'm more effective, uh, coming from a very personal point of view. Like, you know, it's for me, it's about relationships and it's about real tuning between people and if there's something that's going to happen in business generally it's going to happen because there's a tuning there there's a resonance there's an understanding and i enjoy you know like communicating and working with somebody so that's just what it is you know i think i think i think that idea relates to the bigger picture for everybody but you know it is certainly clear and and there is a reality that some people don't think that way so much and still to get things done, you know, in the, in the, in the business world. I think you really nailed it with the communication aspect because, you know, just to give you an example was that I had put in a press request to talk to uh, the lead singer for Venom Incorporated, who, you know, is the, the original Venom members with a, um, from the earlier era um, without yeah. their original singer. Um, and their PR person was just like, no, they're not available for interviews. They're not doing interviews, whatever. And mm. I don't know that she knew I was good friends with Tony, the singer. And yeah. he messaged me and he goes, hey, we're going to do another interview, right? And I'm like, yeah. well, your PR he goes, he goes, oh, screw them. You just call me directly and we'll do it. You know? uh-huh. And I was right, like, right. Yeah. oh, okay. So I right. kind of get yeah. how that works. It's like you said, it's, sometimes it's about that direct form of communication. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you want to, you know, sometimes you have to follow a particular pattern or the rules of the game, but, you know, it's, it's often about, I mean, it's all people, you know, we're all people, we're all just in this to, uh, you know, to, to, to enjoy our lives and to make the best of it. So it does come down to that. We're just rule breakers, Jordan. We're, there you go. We're rule rebels. <laughs> and I'm a dirty, I'm a dirty rock blues guy when it comes down to it as well. Let's just face it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I like the dirty rock, the dirty blues, dirty, dirty Jordan. That's a, that should be your new nickname. <laughs> yeah, right. Anybody, you, anybody you doubt it, just give. Just can't win a spin, and then you'll know what we're talking about. I literally just before our interview, I um, texted my friend James and said, "Dude, you got to hear sexy Jordan Rudis," and he was like. What? <laughs> I sent him a copy of the song. I said, I'll call you after the interview and we'll talk about it. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Okay. It's been revealed now. There's no more hiding. <laughs> well, so uh, just to kind of sidestep a little bit, um, let's talk about your apps. You know, I mean, you really revolutionized the, the, the world of the music app by really doing some awesome things like creating music-based apps where – even someone like, say, like my mom, who's never really played an instrument, could pick up one of your apps and really kind of create something. Um, is there anything new in the pipeline right now that you've got working on? Um, yes, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Like, uh, first of all, I appreciate your 
kind of pointing pointing that out or like you know giving that perspective about it all i mean the app world has changed so much since when i first started when i first started with the whole app thing there was really nothing the the app store was just a baby and there was like no really you know good music apps on there and none of the big players were part of it right so um but i was playing around with the original iphone uh, you know, even though it didn't really make any good sounds or visuals or anything. And I had some real ideas about how, how, uh, the touch, uh, on a playing, sur- on the, on the multi-touch surface could express musical ideas. And I was really passionate about, uh, bringing some of that vision that I had, uh, to the world. So I met, uh, a really good programmer and started to talk to him about some of the ideas that I had and some of the values that I had in doing this. And he really, uh, you know, was, was uh, in tune with me about that. And that was the year that we created MorphWiz. And it was a really important app in so many ways. One way is that it, it allowed me to materialize the vision that I had. Um, but it was also really timely because it was very successful and, and it kind of, um, opened up this world for me of, of possibilities of working with interesting people and doing cool stuff. And, um, and what I like to point out is this, I guess that I not only wanted to create something that would be an expressive musical, uh, instrument or way to use the multi-touch surface, like in, like, you know, an iOS device or any of the, and you know, there's not to be Apple could be anything, right. but just how to use the multi-touch surface to express music. But I, I wanted to kind of shake that up a bit and present some new ideas, but I also have always been passionate and interested in opening up the, the music creation space to as many people as possible. So for people who are not usually music makers, I don't see any reason why software uh, can't help them to feel what it's like to actually play music. Doesn't mean they're going to be Vladimir Horowitz or John Petrucci or anybody like with their skills, <laughs> but be able to enjoy not just being a listener, but to be able to make, to control and to make a beautiful sound. That's something that really I think is is beautiful. I mean, I'm not I'm not threatened by tools that allow uh, non musicians, if you will, to like make music, like. Um, one of the pe- like in my latest app GeoShred, as an example, one of the patches that's on there is a layout of um, just a blues scale. So in one of the modes, when you run your finger along the playing surface, you can't mess up. I mean, it's it's basically you're playing all the notes of a blues scale. Maybe you could choose some notes at a certain point that don't sound as good as others, depending on what you're playing over. But it's all the notes of the blues scale. So so offering. Um, instruments like that that allow that capability to me are really really cool i think it's really i think it's just a nice thing for the world to offer things that where people can enjoy you know making music but the other part of it just to kind of step back uh, a little bit is that i really also have some ideas which are changing things up and making people you know professional musicians professional instrument companies making them think a little bit more about what they're doing in their approach. Right. Uh, really in the hardware world, we're still, you know, we we're like, you know, in, in the past history we're we're so far behind what's really possible. So much of the hardware that comes out by all the big companies as great as it may be, you know, as far as you know, really taking advantage of what's possible and cutting edge technology, it, you know, it doesn't really do that. 
So the apps, uh, you know, and the and software al- allows us to kind of push forward and open up doors, and then we kind of wait for you know the hardware world to kind of like catch up. So it's an it's definitely an interesting kind of a thing. So, uh, what is your newest um, thing that you are working on right now? Uh, yeah, I'm working now with. Um, it's, I'm working on a new instrument. It's pretty fun. It's really, really fun, actually. Um, it's based on some very cool audio morphing uh, technology. Mm-hmm. I figured since I started MorphWiz, you know, years ago, uh, when the, when iPhones were first released, I should continue and like kind of expand on that vision and bring it up to date. So uh, it's kind of what I'm doing. I'm really excited about it. It's what I'm, you know, haven't really showed many people, but it's super fun to play and it's going to be awesome. I think one of the things that I, to, to kind of touch base on what you said about how, um, you know, has yet to really kind of catch up, you know, the, like one of the things I, I do love about the app is that for one, it's more likely to make somebody want to play an instrument than say guitar hero or band, you know, your rock band where really it's just a game and they're trying to exceed a certain thing on the game. Whereas maybe playing with a music based app might say, Oh wow. You know, this, you know, I can do this, but like, I wonder if I could learn how to do this on a keyboard actually. Yeah. It's a different headspace. That's for sure. You know, the gaming mentality is a really different, it's a different place, you know, it's a different kind of a thing. Oh yeah. It totally focuses on a totally different thing. And um, well, actually, just to close out, well, first off, thanks again for doing this. It's always a pleasure. Um, oh, so great to talk to you. Um, so I know one of your favorite bands is Yes. You've got two yeses now, you know, like kind of split down the middle and doing their own thing. Could you ever imagine a world with two dream theaters? I guess the closest we got to that is when Portnoy went out and did his Shattered Fortress thing, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really, you know, but it wasn't really dream theater. But, you know, I guess you could say it was somewhat uh, related. Yeah. He was doing, he was, you know, he was in dream theater. He was playing dream theater music. Um, But since it was just him and everybody else was from somewhere else, I think it's more of a cover band kind of thing yeah although I'm, sure, I'm, although I'm sure they did a good job they're all good musicians right but um yeah yeah but um i don't know anything is possible right so do you have a favorite of the two yes lineups <laughs> uh hard to say you know i just saw i was just on the cruise to the edge thing and uh i saw yes with john davidson and jeff downs oh Howe. right you know and that was um I thought they did a really nice job. You know, they, they played really well. I haven't been to a show with the other lineup, though. Trevor Rabin. Oh, with Anderson and Ray, Ray, Anderson yeah. and Rabin, and yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's really really good. I'm a huge Trevor Rabin fan, so I imagine that it's uh, you know that they do it really well. And I love John Anderson, of course. You know, so I don't know. How about you? I think honestly, you know, I think that like the rest of the world, when I saw that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance with Getty Lee on bass, I'm like, take that to the road. Just do that. Put all your differences aside. Get Getty Lee on bass and just hit the road, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, that was such a spectacular performance. So, you know, I, you know, but I, I'm partial to Anderson, you know, because he's yeah. such a distinct, you know, part of that band, you know, that, sure. you know. But, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I've heard people say, you know, hey, you know, 
you get two, you get two. You can go see both. You know, it's like you get, right, you get right. yeah, well, two sides of the coin. You know, I mean, <laughs> so like the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and um, and also you with you being a huge Crimson fan, what do you think of the new Crimson lineup too? Um, are they still using the three drummer thing? Yeah, they're doing like the eight headed beast thing, and they they have uh, Jacko Jackchick on vocals and guitar. He's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw King Crimson. I don't know two three years ago when they were doing the three drummer. Yeah, that's uh, when I saw them. And, yeah, and I thought it was cool, but I was kind of like, I don't know, like <laughs> maybe it could be done with one drummer. <laughs> so little. I honestly think it's a little bit over the top for me and for jordan rudis to say something's over the top is huge you know there you go, there you go. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know if anybody agrees with me but three drummers i mean i it's all you know i walk into sound check sometimes with you know my group and you know mike is banging on the drums or whatever and i'm like and that's intense you know, you know that's three drummers could you oh, imagine that with three uh, <laughs> that would be i don't know so well, so I guess to close out, what what's what's gonna ha- what's going on? Are you guys on a break right now? And are, are is there ever gonna be any plans to take this um you know this this um album out on the road? <laughs> you know? So um yeah, you know I'm 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 so busy with Dream Theater right now doing all this touring. I mean it's major, uh, you know, kind of like push now because we've got so much road time ahead of us. Right. Um. But, you know, as soon as I see any kind of, uh, you know, light at the end of this tunnel, you know, I'll, I'll definitely figure out how to do some uh, Wired for Madness stuff uh, as well. So we can totally expect that I'll, you know, figure that out at some point. But at the moment, I'm on a break and then we start doing all the Europe summer festivals. Right, uh, right. So that's that's what's going to happen next. And then that, and really, we're only at the beginning of this world tour. Yes. So we have so much ground to cover. We still have to do you know, uh, Asia and Australia and another run to America and European headlining shows and, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. So there's a ton of work to do. Um, but you know me, I'm always uh, thinking about music and always kind of planning what's next. And certainly when, uh, you know, when time allows, I'll figure out how to, how to do some more solo stuff and take some Wired for Madness music and present it. Well, that is amazing, and I love the fact that I just heard that there might, there's going to be another U.S. swing. So hopefully it'll bring, bring you back to Atlanta and we can hang again. There you go. I hope so. There's so much more I want to talk to you about, but <laughs> we'll right. save that for another time. So, Well, <laughs> awesome. Jordan, thank you so much again, and uh, congratulations on Wired for Madness. It's a brilliant record, and it's um, yeah, I have to say it's my favorite of yours so far, and I'm oh, wow. enjoying the hell out of it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you, Tom. Thanks for the support, man. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you. Always great to talk to you, too, my friend. And we'll talk again soon. Right on. All right. Bye-bye. So hot, her body is on fire.